Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. I know for some folks it's been spring break, so those of you that are, have been on spring break, welcome. Those that are going, uh, hope you enjoy it. And those that don't get a spring break, we just, we just continue. Uh, but again, I want to welcome you. We're continuing in our series through the book of Acts, and we're in our last two uh, times together in the book of Acts. Then we'll celebrate Palm Sunday, then we'll be in Easter, and then right afterwards we're going to jump into a new series um, and looking at some of the epistles um, and then, uh, so looking forward to that. But today we find ourselves in Acts chapter 26, and the, the theme of our series has been outpouring and looking at the way of the Lord through His Spirit has just been outpouring upon His people um, as it relates to the work of the Spirit in the life of the church in its early beginnings. Um, and as we jump into this passage, one of the things to take note of is this, that the best arguments, are, they seldom win the day it's the best stories that often changes minds and hearts. And so for those of us that think people should be objective and should, people should just stick to the facts, it can be quite frustrating as we look at people's behavior. And so it's best summed up in this statement that the best arguments in the world won't change a single person's mind. So many of us know what that's like. We can be in arguments debating a person, and it seems like we're making a sense, and they're not, it's not resonating with them. And so the idea is the best arguments often won't change a single person's mind. The only thing that can do that, some would say, is a good story. That's so what we're going to see in Acts chapter 26, as Paul is going to give his story what has taken place in his life. It's in Acts chapter 26. I'll read from verses 1 to 23. It's a lengthy passage, but I think it's helpful for us to be invited into that room where he's giving his final defense. He's giving his final appeal. He's sharing his story for the last time. It'll be on the screen behind me in Acts chapter 26, and it reads as follows. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. Verse 2, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have been willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. And not, I, I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. 
And I punished them often in all the synagogues. And I tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging further, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, persecuted. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to, to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Verse 19. Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had the help that comes from God, and so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, verse 23, that Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And this is God's Word. Let's pray together. And so, Father, we look to you this morning, hearing the testimony, the story of Paul. And might we find ourselves enwrapped in your story and in so too might be called to testify, Lord. And to open our eyes that we might see, open our ears that we might hear, that we might see Christ, that we might hear his voice. And in so doing, Lord, give us life, transform us for the sake of our city, for the sake of the world we live in. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've been journeying with us through the book of Acts, this is Paul's final defense. He's not on trial. But he's giving a testimony. He's sharing his story. This is Paul sharing the gospel, sharing the good news before one of the most powerful people in Rome. And one of the most powerful figures then alive, King Agrippa. If you've been reading along and tracking with us, Paul has now been in prison for two years in Caesarea. He had given a defense before Governor Felix. He's been kept in prison. When you read Acts, it says, as a favor to the Jews. And Festus, or Felix is then removed, and Festus is now appointed in his place. Paul's defense before the governor. You know, he, when he was talking to Felix, Paul offered, uh, Felix, the governor, offered him, to, I could just send you to Jerusalem, go to trial there. And Paul says, no, Paul knew there was a plot to kill him. And so Paul invokes his Roman citizenship and says, send me to Caesar. I want to give my, I want to give my defense in Rome. And so Paul was about to be sent to Rome. But just before going, King Agrippa is making a visit to Caesarea, and he wants to hear all this commotion. He wants to hear what's been taking place. He wants to hear about this case regarding Paul. 
And so when you read the book of Acts, it is serving, I would suggest to you, it is serving as a defense for Paul when he's going on trial before Rome. Luke is ensuring that the record of Paul's life is given in great detail. Because in essence, when Paul is in trial, Luke is going to say, here's the account of Paul and his life. Here's his story. But I think that part of the reason why we have this detailed account here is that Luke is saying, not only about Paul, Paul is not the only one on trial here, but in a real sense, the church is on trial. The faith of the believers of this day is on trial. Luke is saying to his readers, Luke is saying to us, he's saying to you and me, that there are lessons to be learned here. That when we face trials, when we face intimidation, when we face opposition, when we have to give a reason for the hope that lies within, that we ought to learn from the way in which Paul dealt with that. And how does Paul do it? He does it through story. And so in this passage, you're going to see Paul sharing his story. And we see his story. We just read it. This is the third time now in the book of Acts that Paul shares his journey his narrative, some would say his testimony. Now, those of you that have been through our Gospel for Life um, uh, equipping time know that we spend time talking about God's story and our story, and we equip believers to know how to share their story. And the paradigm which we do this is, is every single one of us has a beginning. Like there's a growing up. And as we begin to share our story, we often ought to begin with what, who we were prior our lives prior to coming to Christ? What was your family like? What were you interested in? What were the good, the true, and beautiful things God placed in you? As we begin to discover those, and and Paul unpacks that. He says, everyone knows my manner of life from my youth. He says, they they knew who I was. I was zealous for the things of God as it relates to his religion. He was strict. He says he was a Pharisee. And so all of us have a beginning. So as we begin to rehearse our story, we begin where with our early journeys. But as we begin to unpack our growing up or our beginnings, we recognize that there is crashes, there is, there is a point in our life where we recognize there are major gaps. And those gaps, the Bible would say, is sin. And so as we begin to rehearse our story and our journey, we talk about our beginnings, but we can't help but to recognize those gaps in our lives where the very things that maybe motivated us also motivated us to a place where we recognized our sin. And so that is the point of crisis for so many people. And we see Paul, he takes his zeal for his religion, he takes his zeal as a Pharisee, and the gap we see in his life is he is now a persecutor of the church. So you see your beginnings, you see your gaps. And anytime we see the brokenness in our lives, anytime we see uh, the sin in our life, we oftentimes try to do things to fix those. That's what we call idols. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The idols we turn to to help us solve the problem of our day. As you begin to think of your story, what are the things you did to try to fill the gaps in the world you saw. For some, it is alcohol. For some, it is money. For some, it is religious performance. It's the idols we pursue to find safety, to find meaning, to find significance. And so that's what we see in Paul's life. And what my prayer for all of us in this room, Paul experiences, we see God. 
Paul on the road to Damascus. He's sharing his story where he meets Jesus. And it's at that moment that his life is forever transformed and changed. And so, so many of us have stories of where God has showed up, and we share those stories. And it just doesn't end when Christ comes and gives us new life. There is a continuous process of transformation. And so, in, in Acts chapter 26 and throughout this, this account, we see Paul sharing his story, his beginnings, his gaps, where he found significance, how the grace of God showed up, and how he's continually in this process of transformation. Friends, all of us have a story. When we look back at our lives, there's the good, there's the bad, and there's everything in between. We share stories of the victories of life, and oftentimes we have to share stories of the tragedies of life. But one thing I know is all of these things, whether good or bad, they make up the plot line of our life, which with, I would suggest you, God has been active. Especially for those of us, if this might be a very tough season, a very difficult season, one thing I love about the Scriptures is this idea that God is present through it all. So even in your darkest moment, God is present there. You may not be on the other side of that to begin to testify, of it, but trust me, Paul is sharing he has been through, and so many of us that might be facing a difficult time, a time will come where we can then look back and share the grace of God. That's the promise of Scripture. And so stop punishing yourself for the mistakes. Stop punishing yourself for the wrong you've done. Don't live in shame. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Scripture teaches us that we are forgiven. That's the story we share. That, 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 that I messed up. There were gaps. There was sin. There was idols. But I found Jesus, or rather, Jesus found me. And because of that, that is my story. And so if you are in a bad spot this morning, Christ is available to you. You can be forgiven as well. Like Paul, we ought to surrender to him. And so Paul experiences this radical transformation. And what is the main thing that changed Paul? What is the main thing that changed his life? I believe the change that he experienced was the realization that Jesus Christ was alive. The essence of our faith is rooted in that truth that Jesus is alive. It was the resurrection. It's the centrality of the resurrection that Jesus Christ was dead, but he now lives. In fact, Festus, is in, in hearing Paul's case, he's, he, he says Paul is speaking about a man named Jesus, a dead man who Paul claims to be alive. You see it in verse 18 when the accusers, this is Acts chapter 25, when the accusers stood up, it was when they're bringing charges against Paul. They said they brought no charge in the case of such evils as I suppose. Rather, they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion, about a certain Jesus who was dead, but whom Paul asserted to be alive. That, that's the main beef. The, the reason why Paul is going through this ordeal is he dare believe that Jesus is alive. Friends, is that not our challenge today? When we strip down our faith, when we just move all the details of what we, when we, when we find ourselves debating at the core at what we believe, we believe that Jesus is alive. And so that's his story. You read Acts, that's, that's all they're talking about. He's risen. In a couple of weeks when we get together on Easter Sunday, what are we going to say? He's risen. 
And those of you that grew up in church, what are you going to say back to me? His reason indeed. Right? Same story. Literally, like, this is why it, it's awesome to get, you know, get theological training. It's awesome to get the intricacies of Hebrew and the intricacies of Greek and to be a theologian. But at the core of share a story, and it's God's story. And the, short, the, the story we share is how our lives are now embedded in the narrative of God. And that's what Paul is doing in Acts chapter 6. He's sharing his story. That's why I challenge us to share our story, to testify. I I believe I'm sounding like a broken record. It's like every time I open Scripture, all I see is story after story of God's goodness. This is the psalm that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name and forget not all His benefits. If you've been through any challenges in life, If you celebrated any victories in life, then as a follower of Jesus, you have a story to tell. And you can share that with a neighbor. You can share that with a friend. But the story that Paul shares, he doesn't just share his story. He shares the story of Scripture. So two things. Paul, in sharing story, he shares the story of his life, but then he shares the story of Scripture. You know, the, the, the main thing is, is Jesus risen? And Paul is saying, you, you, you believe God can do this, right? If God is God, he can do this. And Paul is literally saying, I saw him. I saw Jesus. I, I heard him. He is alive. I tell you. And not only does he appeal to his story, he appeals to the story of Scripture. Because that's what we need to do. We, we, we share our story, and then we share the story of Scripture. You see it in Acts chapter 26, 22 and 23. Paul says these words, to this day... I've had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses. That's the Scripture. The prophets. We know the prophetic books of Scripture. We know the law of Moses. He says, I'm not saying anything different than what the Scriptures teach. What the Scriptures said would come to pass, that Christ must suffer, that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would uh, proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. And so Paul, in sharing his story, he shares the story of Scripture. He shares the story from Moses and the prophets. He shares the story from the law and the prophets. He shares Scripture. So isn't that interesting? The the order in which Paul shares story. He begins with his own experience and ends with the testimony of Scripture. And so I I wonder, do, do I, do we give enough place in our lives to share our experiences in Christ, as well as the experience of Scripture? Do we give enough place in our lives to share our journey, but also share the journey of Scripture? Do we give enough place and talk about the stories that have occurred in our lives, but also talk about the stories that occur in Scripture? See, one of the challenges today is some are all story with no Scripture. Right? So we, we talk a lot about what has been taking place in my life. God has been good. God has done this. God has done this. And, and it's all story, but that's only part of the story. But on the other hand, some people are all Scripture with no story. It's like we, 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 we have the verses. We, have, we know the books of the Bible. We, we know the verses. We know Greek. We know Hebrew. We know Aramaic. We know, the, we know it all. But there's no story. 
There is an inability to link the truths of Scripture with what's going on in our lives, but Paul merges the two. He shares his story, and he shares the story of Scripture. Paul begins with his experience, but he ends by saying, this is nothing but what the Scriptures speak of. You see, not only does God, not only does Paul have a story, God has a story. And the Scriptures tell God's story. See, the gospel, the truth about what God is doing in Jesus Christ, makes sense of the Bible. So as you begin to read the Scriptures, I believe as you, see, as you begin to see Jesus in the Scriptures, the Scriptures come alive to make sense. And when the Bible comes alive, you know you're meeting Jesus. Friends, that, that's our hope. I mean, when you read this, Paul is on trial for the hope he has in God. Paul is on trial for the promises he has. And so when the Bible comes alive, we know we're meeting Jesus. And so I want to invite us to share those stories of our encounters with Jesus, our encounters with Scripture, and share people our story and his story. But when you read Acts chapter 26, it's not just Paul's story. And it's not just the story of Scripture. The last thing we see in this passage is the untold story of those sitting in that room. So we know Paul's story. We know the story of Scripture. But what about the story of those gathered in the room? Paul is sharing the narrative of his life with Jesus. Paul is sharing the narrative of Scripture, and he gets to the climax and the point of all. He says, Jesus is risen from the dead. And do you notice what happens the moment he proclaims Christ? It's like, like there's a loud voice in the room. That wasn't very loud. That was, my, that was my attempt at loud. Didn't want to break it, but, you know. I, that's my loud. Interrupted. Here's the reality about proclaiming Jesus. There is an enemy that does not want the truth of Jesus to be proclaimed. He is proclaiming the truth of Jesus in verse 24. And as he was saying these things, when he reaches the point about Jesus risen from the dead, as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice. So he screams, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. I mean, think about that. Like He's he's hearing all that is Paul has experienced in his life. He's hearing about this testament. And, and Festus is not a believer. He's hearing this. He's like, Paul, I got to stop. You're crazy, man. You've absolutely lost it. All your learning has made you go mad. But look at Paul's response. Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. It, it, it makes sense. For the king knows about these things. He's talking about King Agrippa. And to him I speak boldly, for I'm persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. I love that. Paul Paul says, I get it. You're not from around these parts. You don't know the story of what's been happening in this this town. But Agrippa, he knows exactly what's been going on. It's not like these things have been done in a corner. What that people sharing stories about Jesus because when you read the narrative scripture, Agrippa, uh, historians believe Agrippa was around eight years old when the time of Jesus' death. So, so he's growing up in the midst of these conversations. 
That's why it's so important for us to share story, because think about it. They're hanging out in Jerusalem, doing what Jerusalem people do. You know, they go to Starbucks, maybe, or there's a ceremony coffee in Jerusalem, right? Just, just follow me. Ceremony, ceremony, the pot. What's the best coffee shop in town? Bean Rush. Bean Rush. Uh, I'll take the loudest voice. Bean Rush. So, you know, there's some Jerusalemites. They're, they're chilling at Bean Rush, Jerusalem province. And they're like, man, you hear this craziness. See, folks, they're talking about Lazarus risen from the dead. They're talking about Jesus walking on water. They're out of their mind. And then you're sitting there. And you're like, whoa, are you talking about Jesus walking on water? I was there. I was actually there. I can tell you what was going on when that happened. And so there's an outpouring of story. People are sharing story of what Jesus has done. And he says, Agrippa, you can't deny this. It's not like these things are happening in a court. Everybody's talking about this. Since you're a child, everyone has been talking about it. What would it look like if we invade this city with stories of transformation? What would it look like if we invaded this city with stories of Jesus, stories of Scripture, how he's impacting our lives and how the Scriptures proclaim him? Some might say we're crazy, but they cannot deny what is true and rational. And so Agrippa, you've seen this, right? And so what happens? Verse 28, this is kind of funny. King, verse 27, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Agrippa's a Jewish man. And Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And here's what I love. And Paul said, whether short or long, I would love to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am. That's Paul's desire, that everybody in that room would have a story of how Jesus has changed their lives. That's the point Paul wants everyone in that room to see. Paul wants everyone to see their story merged into God's grand story and to share that story of Scripture so that the untold stories of others might begin to make sense. And so what's your story? Who can you with? And are you, like Paul, desiring that? I just, I just want you to experience what I experience. So all of us, There's something we can share. You might not be able to quote Scripture. You might never be asked to share a sermon. But you always have your story of what God has done in your life. Your early beginnings, the gaps you saw, the gods you sought after, the idols, and then how the grace of God showed up. And so my prayer, my hope is that we begin to share those stories, that others might hear Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am. This is his prayer, and he prays this in Christ's name. Let's bow our heads. And as we pray this morning, I'm going to invite the uh, worship team back up. And uh, just, would you just spend some time thinking about, Lord, how have you been just at work in my life? What's my story? I want to just give us a few minutes to think about that and how all of us have been through the good, the bad, and the in-between, but through it all, God has been present.
and we have a story to share. So, Lord, we thank you this morning for the opportunity for us to once again reflect on Paul's journey and to hear his story. This is the third time now we've heard his story. What an amazing story, where he was met by you on the road to Damascus and his life was forever changed. Uh, so many of us in this room, Lord, we, our lives are being changed. So many of us have stories of how you showed up, how in those moments of despair, we felt like there was no way we could see past that moment, and yet so many of us are sitting here in the thereafter, Lord, because of your grace and your mercy. And might our stories also serve as an encouragement to those who are going through great challenges even now, Lord. And may they, like Paul, place their hope in your promises so that a day will come where they can look back and see your grace just working through their life, Lord. So give us stories to share. Give us testimonies to share. And at the end of the day, Lord, give us Jesus. I pray and ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.